If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 159 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on October 16th, 2022. Yes, it is October. The time for another year of the playoffs. And yes, I have little to no voice, as you can hear, as is the case every year at this time. I might as well mark it down on the calendar. October is no voice month for Mike. And yes, even more so, especially after a loss like last night, that's probably equivalent to the worst kind of losses that our brains could make us see in our worst baseball nightmares. Yes, it is even more so gone, my voice being, after a game like that. As the Yankees, like other teams who weren't supposed to lose their division rounds, (laughs) Braves and Dodgers, (coughs) are on the verge of elimination to the Cleveland freaking Guardians. Guys, I'm shooting entirely from the hip today. I've intentionally prepared zero, zero bullet points or notes of reminders for things for me to hit on or anything like other broadcasters always do. Because an episode like today, in intense times like this, especially in a time where I have little to no voice, my voice is not nearly at full capacity. My thoughts and feelings need to flow entirely from the heart and the brain alone, without any notes or anything of any kind. And if I forget anything, hell, one of you will probably remind me on the social media segment uh, venting session later on that I had for you guys today, later on anyway. So I'll be sure to hit on it then. But anyways... (laughs) Where on earth... Do you and my raspy-voiced ass even begin? Uh, You want to talk about the Yankees' offense dying in Game 2? You want to talk about yesterday's bone-crushing defeat in the bottom of the ninth? That had it not happened, could have seen the Yankees take a crucial 2-1 series lead? But yet again, we are reminded of the fact that this multi billion dollar organization with one of the world's highest payrolls doesn't even have a closer how about IKF the defensive wizard making multiple defensive mistakes on routine plays all series long as if we didn't see that happen all throughout the regular season or how about his trade mate the man to his right at third base still doing nothing at the plate 
the trade that I again from day one in the winter disliked. How about the Yankees' inability to make decisions or tell the truth? Everybody was wondering where Clay Holmes was in the ninth inning last night. Boone said that he had him available, but only for an emergency, and that he had normal soreness. Normal soreness. Now, whether or not Clay Holmes is trustworthy, and I'll be the first to say that he is not as of the second half, but please enlighten me on what would be defined as a baseball emergency if not for that ninth inning last night in a playoff game with the series tied. But wait, there's more. Just like in those commercials with the, with the products. Wait, there's more. Following that statement by Boone, not 10 to 20 minutes later, almost immediately after, Clay Holmes himself tells the media that he's totally fine and that he anticipated to pitch last night. Even Severino and the other guys, when asked where Clay Holmes was, they were surprised. Savy was like, I don't know, you gotta ask Boone or Matt Blake that. Where do you begin, guys, when talking about all of this? Now, having said all that, and still not hitting on every single little thing you could talk about when it comes to this team and their antics, I know, I will say this now, I know that they are not officially eliminated or out of it yet. I'm well aware. So let me say all of that after just blowing a gasket on all that that I just spoke about. And they could still very well win these next two and move on to Houston in the CS. But isn't anybody else just sick and tired of the fiascos that this team just continues to create around themselves year in and year out? Anybody? I mean, if you want to be optimistic about this, and yeah, I'll acknowledge that too, that it's not over yet until it's over, because that's the truth. It's not over yet. And if you want to be optimistic, then more power to you. But I have seen in the last 12 to 16 hours or so, whatever, it's around 2 p.m. in the afternoon at the time I'm recording right now, but I have seen overly optimistic people going after people like myself who were rightfully devastated, broken over last night's nightmarish loss. And if you're one of those people going after those of us for being upset, you seriously need to stop. After these last bunch of years inevitably being in the back of all of our minds, the last half a decade of coming up short, and even just last night alone, people have a right to be upset or be on edge. Just let them go through it. That was brutal last night. You expect people to just not be rationally upset about it as a fan? Get a grip. Get real. 
I'm sick of the fan policing around here. But hey, people want to fan police so badly? Then fine, let's fan police. How about all the dopes booing Aaron Judge for having a bad first couple of games? Talking about not paying him all of a sudden after shouting pay the man from their rooftops not three days prior. I bet they just loved his game-tying home run yesterday. Mike, it's the Bronx. Thanks, I forgot where the Yankees played. Thank God I have you to remind me. There are some instances where you just can't mask stupidity with it's the Bronx. I've been a fan for almost two decades. I'm aware what the Bronx is like. But how quickly people forget that slumps happen, even to people who hit 62 home runs in a season. Bad timing for it? Yeah, it is. Can you talk about or acknowledge it? Yeah, and I even did. But to have such a quick and irrational turnaround on the man who is solely responsible for the Yankees even playing right now, After you just got done yelling, pay the man. Give me a break. Booing him and now saying they shouldn't pay him? Give me an entire freaking break. And this rant right here is to all the people out there who tried to put me on blast on Twitter the other day for simply defending the man who was basically solely responsible for the Yankees being successful, particularly in the second half when the rest of the team was a corpse. While also acknowledging that he was struggling, yes, because I'm not in denial of reality. Yeah, he struggled a bit the last few days. But the home run yesterday, everybody was real quiet after that. And to turn as harshly as some did, that I take issue with. So you want to fan police? Then let's fan police! It's been an emotional week, guys. (laughs) It it really has been. A a lot of you guys may say I'm going over the top. Fine, say I'm going over the top. I, I really don't care. That's the kind of passion that comes from me. And those of you who have followed me for a long time, you're already aware of that. So you might not even be surprised that I'm losing my mind like this, even though the Yankees aren't even factually eliminated yet. (laughs) That's just the passion from which this comes from, guys. That's what's inside of me. So if you think it's over the top or you don't agree or you have a big problem with the way I do things, then tune out. Tune out of the show. Don't follow me on social media. Just don't have anything to do with me if you have a problem with it. I don't know what to tell you. But it's been an emotional week for me and all people who are passionate like I am. That's just, that's the fact of the matter. And I can, I can even hear my family outside in the other parts of the house right now. They're probably hearing me yell and they're all laughing at me probably. (laughs) They feel exactly the same way that I do, but everybody likes when I rant. I'm, I'm told that my rants are extremely entertaining and truthful most of the time when I'm not totally irrational. So... That's that. I hope I'm giving my family outside a good show. If you hear them, that's probably just them laughing. (laughs) But, I mean, listen. Like I said, you can hit on any talking point that you want. I mean, just just present it. (laughs) I tried to throw as many out there just now as I could in rapid fire mode, right off the top of my head. But we've got all show 
to go through all the crap. <laughs> so that's my vent session. There you go. Holy crap. Yeah, holy crap is right, Frank Barone. Holy crap. That's right. Good lord. I I'm just, I'm over this team and their playoff antics, man. I'm over it. The choke jobs, the offensive vanishing acts, the unexplainable decision-making, the lack of truth-telling. I'm, I'm over it. I really am sick and tired of it. And again, yes, they're not done yet. At least not at the time I'm recording. And I do plan on, by the way... <clears throat> You're gonna be hearing me do that a lot during this episode because my voice is raspy as hell. I do plan on having this episode out before the start of tonight's game, before the start of game four. Now, whenever you get around to listening to this episode, though, who knows? Maybe they're getting ready for a game five. Maybe they're onto the ALCS already. Maybe they're out after game four tonight. I don't know. But regardless, this team's stupid crap in the postseason, year in and year out, it's undeniable. End of story. I'm sick of it, I'm over it, and I'm damn tired of it. And if they keep this clown show going, they're never winning crap. No matter how bad we want it. And now, here on Sunday, early mid-afternoon... With all other division series being decided already as of last night, it's do or die for the Yankees in Cleveland. They're down two games to one in a best of five. And we'll see just how badly these heart attack inducing players want this thing or not with their backs against the wall. Put up or shut up. And if it's shut up and it's over after tonight, I had better never hear Another lousy freaking word for the entire winter after this last half a decade of failure. And that's that. I, I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the excuses. I don't want to hear that, oh, we tried our best. We I don't want to hear it. I, none of it. I will turn it off. But hey, if it's put up and it's game five in the Bronx on Monday, then great. Let's do it. And in that case, I do think the Yankees will win the series. So in other words, I am hereby predicting right now that if the Yankees win game four tonight and they go back to the Bronx for game five on Monday, I think they'll win. And again, if that's the case, then great, obviously. I'm a Yankee fan, duh. I guess we'll see, right? And that'd be the fourth game in a row, by the way. Four days in a row of playoff baseball thanks to the scheduling too. Another genius move by Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball, by the way, adding to our adventurous past week of nonsense. Remember the when the only off days really in the playoffs used to be the travel days? Remember that? Well, not this year, thanks to the lockout pushing things back or whatever other excuses in the book for them to use, but they just had Wednesday be an off day for this series. Just an off day on Wednesday. And yes, when they scheduled all of this months ago, they had no way of knowing that this past Thursday was going to rain. Blah, 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 blah. Not for nothing, though. I did even briefly say last week that I thought Wednesday being off was kind of strange since it wasn't a travel day, but 
I kind of was on that early on, but anyway, it did end up biting them in the ass because on Thursday, which was originally going to be the day for game two, Thursday was postponed thanks to the rain. It was an awful weather day here in New York that day, which led to them having to play the rest of the series four days in a row, that is, if all five games are necessary, starting with the Friday day game. The first Yankee playoff day game in years. Couldn't even watch the damn thing. I was at work having a nervous breakdown like so many other people. My friends in the office were ready to have me committed. It's <laughs> freaking team, I swear. I'm going to be institutionalized one of these days. Oh, God, I just want to get tonight the hell over with. I really do. I just want to get it over with. Social media is all over the place right now. As it deserves to be. I mean, the Yankees brought that on themselves. I mean, you look at last night's disgrace. It was really good up until the end. It started out very badly. Severino's on the mound starting the game last night. And the first two innings were a disaster. I think he allowed six or seven hits. He did limit the damage to only two runs, which was good. But, I mean, he was getting hit all over the place. Hanging sliders, putting fastballs right down the plate. Just, they were smacking him around. And it didn't even seem like he was going to make it through the second. Had around 60 pitches plus after two innings. And then the man pitched five and two-thirds, ultimately. Still keeping them at those two runs. <clears throat> And I'm not even adding the clearing the throat out because that's that's very authentic because I don't have a voice today. So deal with my throat clearing. I don't know what to tell you. But anyways, he did such a great job after that. I mean, talk about settling down and one of the biggest turnarounds I've ever seen from a starter in a single game. He ended up going five and two thirds. And he did have the third run that came home charged to him. With uh, Trevino having come in to pitch afterwards and allowing that run to score. <clears throat> but he did strike out six guys and talk about turning it around in a single game. I mean, it was unbelievable what we saw from Severino last night. It was one of the best turnarounds from a starter in a single game I've ever seen. I mean, the guy was a total unmitigated disaster in the first two innings, guys. You remember if you saw it. And I don't even think he allowed a base runner for like three more innings after that. Three full innings. And I think in that sixth inning, if I if I remember correctly, I think he only allowed... The next guy he allowed on was, a, was an infield hit by Andres Jimenez, I think. Oh yeah, and a, a, yeah, that's right. On a ball to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. What a game he had last night. We'll hit on him later. Don't worry, I got plenty to say about that. As you could probably imagine. <sighs> the Yankees put up their runs. Aaron Judge tied the game at two and they were down two nothing. As I had mentioned before, when I was taking a crap on those who decided to boo him. Oswaldo hit a monster home run. Harrison Bader hit a big home run to left field to get the run right back after Trevino allowed that third Cleveland run to score. And then, of course, there was the travesty in the bottom of the ninth inning when Peralta was being kept in for a while, which I, I didn't really have a problem with because Peralta was really in on it, and he only allowed two bloop hits in the ninth inning. And it was really just 
it was really crappy how that rally got started in the ninth inning last night. It was on two blue pits. It's just annoying as hell, man. And then Clark Schmidt being put into a situation that he shouldn't have been put in. Had the Yankees done their jobs and provided the team with a closer and not some loser who did nothing to deserve the playoff spot that he feels himself that he deserved. And because of that, decides not to show up to a playoff practice. And they also don't even have a setup man. Because the setup man that they did anticipate on having has not pitched consistently in the better part of the last two seasons in Zach Britton. So that's where they are as far as the bullpen. Let alone the fact that they also have other injuries that don't help anything. Michael King, F. Ross, the list goes on. But they still fail to even have a closer. You can use the injuries and whatnot as an excuse, and it is a valid excuse to a certain degree. But these are a lot of concerns that we saw already that weren't properly plugged up, whether it be last winter or the trade deadline, not plugged up enough. This is a team, the New York Yankees, with the payroll that they have, around $250 plus million, that has a placeholder in Isaiah Kinder-Falefa at shortstop, who's not a shortstop, as Oswald Peraza is not even on the roster. After all that we saw from him, and I would have liked to have seen even more, if Brian Cashman and his ego could ever admit when they do something wrong, but of course that's an impossibility. They have Josh Donaldson, who's making $25 million, playing third base, IKF's trade mate, like I said. They don't have a closer or a setup man, at least not one who is not injured all the time or is not a complete loser, sitting in his house in Miami right now, having nothing to do with his team, and having players playing out of position. I think he's done a very nice job in the outfield up until now. But Oswaldo, poor kid who I love to death, is not an outfielder. He had never really played the outfield ever before the call-up, before he got called up here. And they have him in the outfield, in the playoffs. Would we be really making a stink about this if things were going perfectly fine and if the Yankees were winning? Probably not. But that's what winning does. It masks things because you're winning. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what people want to happen. Of course, when you're losing, every failed aspect of the team, no matter how big or small, is going to rear its ugly head. Because people look for things to blame. They look for things that pop out the most. And when they can't see things that pop out the most, they look for the most intricate little things, little aspects of the team that might have screwed them at a certain part of the game, what have you. That's the way it works. But these are all things that you could point the finger at and be correct about, as I have. They're all correct. Shortstop who can't play shortstop. Donaldson, completely inept. Has had good plays at third base this year, yes. But he's also had his defensive mysteries. 
and has done nothing at the plate for the duration of the entire year. The definition of underwhelming, especially considering the fact that he didn't have a bad year last year. But the fall from grace is incredible. You don't have a setup man or a closer, and you have a kid in the outfield playing out of position. Again, you could point the finger to injuries. You don't have Ben Tendy. Carpenter got hurt for a while. Fine, you could do that. But again, like I said, that runs stale eventually. It just does. There are other things that could have been done. You could have gotten a real shortstop. You could have decided not to waste the vast majority of the season giving Aaron Hicks more chances. I mean, you could do a whole show on how much of a miss Aaron Hicks has been. Another brilliant decision by the front office. And like I said, injuries play a part. Yes, they do. But there is also a lot of blame to go around and a lot of accountability that should be had in this organization. A lot. And whether they're injured or not, I'm sorry. It just That's the way it worked out. It hasn't worked. And I know I'm saying, again, I know they're not even out yet, so all this talk could prove to be meaningless in hindsight. But that's the way it is, and those are the kind of thoughts that creep into people's minds when the Yankees are in a hole like they are right now. Speaking of some of the injuries that I've mentioned already, there is some news from this past week when it comes to other player injuries. Lots of news coming out. Part of it really deflating. Part of it a continuation of just, you know, not really knowing whether or not the Yankees know what they're talking about with injuries or they're just not reporting the truth, no matter what it may be. Just making you scratch your head a bit. It's being like, well, what the hell is the deal here? Well, the first one is because amidst knowing the ALDS roster, uh, of course, there was a whole fiasco with Chapman that I hinted at in the intro before. I don't have to go through that. He missed a workout, and Boone said that he didn't even have a good excuse for missing the workout. He basically just didn't show up because he wasn't guaranteed a roster spot in the playoffs, even though he did absolutely nothing to earn said spot. So in case for whatever reason, you needed more evidence as to why you shouldn't be able to stomach the mere mention of the name Aroldis Chapman, well, there you go. picture of a loser in action. Now, this is the tough news. I mentioned F. Ross before. It came out this past week completely out of the blue, out of nowhere. No injury problems hinted at since his return from the injured list not long ago, but it was suddenly revealed that he needs Tommy John surgery. This is a young kid who the Yankees got in their trade with the Cubs, of course, if you remember, at the deadline, and... He has a bunch of years of control left. Really good sidearm, young arm to have out in the Yankee bullpen. And he's done for the rest of this postseason. Probably out for the entirety, if not most, of next year. It's just, What are you going to say? What can you say? It's a disaster. It adds to this trade deadline already just being a mess. 
You look at this. You look at them missing Benintendi, even though he continues to take swings, and I believe he's going to go get some live at-bats as well in hopes of being ready for an ALCS, which in the minds of many is looking pretty unlikely at this point. Montas could be set in an ALCS to make an opener or long relief appearance. That's just the way it is right now, guys, with the deadline acquisitions. The best one's been Trevino out in the bullpen. He's been the best one. So that's that's really that. Just a heart heartbreaking piece of news for Scott Ifros. I feel awful for the guy. I wish him a speedy recovery. He did a nice job in his time here. So far, since the deadline, didn't do badly at all. Just really horrible news. The worst kind of news you could get as a pitcher. It's getting Tommy John surgery. It's horrible. The next person, when it comes to injuries, would be DJ. And this toe fiasco has been remarkable. It was revealed earlier on in the week that DJ had a foot fracture that resonates into his toes that we've known for a while now has been giving him problems, the toe. So the situation seemed to get even worse. But then, as if the situation wasn't already bizarre enough at that point, Brian Hoke, not long after that, reported that he has a ligament injury to that toe. Not a foot fracture. What the hell is going on, guys? What is the injury? Uh, Will reports on Yankee injuries ever be correct or not conflict with prior information? Ever? What's the injury? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Who the hell could know? Unless you're within the Yankee organization, obviously. And the ligament issue seems to be, you know keeping DJ out for the rest of the playoffs. Not a surprise. If he is to be back, then it's not going to be back. It's not going to be for a while longer, I imagine. So, (laughs) that's what I'm saying, guys. Take your pick. Take your freaking pick. As far as the ALDS roster, here it was. They decided to go with 14 position players and 12 pitchers. The 12 pitchers were Miguel Castro, Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Domingo Herman, Clay Holmes, Jonathan Luizaga, Lucas Litke, who we have not seen even once. I don't think we've seen him warm up. I think he's dead. Wandy Peralta, Clark Schmidt, Luis Severino, Jameson Tyone, Lou Trevino. Those are your 12 pitchers. Catchers, of course, Trevino and Higashioka. Infielders, even though he's only been using the outfield, playing out of position, Oswaldo Cabrera, Matt Carpenter was reactivated, as we said was a possibility last week, Josh Donaldson, Marwin Gonzalez, IKF, Anthony Rizzo, and Gleyber Torres, Marwin Gonzalez, and I know he's there to basically be an emergency backup in case anything happens because of his defensive versatility. Since DJ is not in the roster because of his ligament problem, if Rizzo gets hurt, they won't have anybody else to play first, so Marwin's needed. Whatever. I'd rather Oswaldo play first base. (laughs) 
And in the outfield, the five outfielders being used, Harrison Bader, Aaron Judge, for some reason, Aaron Hicks, Tim LeCastro, and Giancarlo Stanton, even though you're probably not going to see Stanton in the outfield at any point. So already the immediate roster discrepancy that I had was having guys like Aaron Hicks on there and not Oswald Peraza with the awesome stuff we saw from him and the very few opportunities we got to see him because, of course, the Yankees have to instead continue to trot out Isaiah Kiner for left at a shortstop who we all know is not a competent shortstop. He belongs at third base. And we already know what we're going to get out of him instead of, you know, being able to see what we got out of Peraza. And what we did get out of him, even though I wish he had even more opportunities after his call-up, we saw a lot of good things. Defensive wizard, an actual defensive wizard, as opposed to what the Yankees defined as a defensive wizard. And his bat even started to come around big time. He'd done very well offensively. But no, you got to keep trotting the people out there who we already know we're going to get from them. And they're obviously not the better option. What do I know? I'm a fan with a microphone, right? That's what I'm told. So, that was your roster. A couple of discrepancies on it, and I was very confused about not seeing DJ there, and that's when all the injury news about him came out. Right when the roster came out. So that's that. I think I basically hit on everything that I <laughs> that I could. Oh my goodness. Why don't we go through each of the games individually? The three games that have happened. It's only three games to recap. First one all the way going all the way back to Tuesday. Tuesday night's game. Wednesday was an off day. Thursday was the rain out. And then, of course, they played each day since Friday. And we'll even play tonight in a potential elimination in Game 4. So going back to last Tuesday, let's hop into that Yapping Yankees time machine and recap this past week's games. And then after that, we'll hit on the social media segment, which was basically just event session asking everybody what their thoughts are for the American League Division Series so far between the Guardians and the Yankees. Yapping Yankees time machine. Let's go. All right, so we begin on Tuesday, and that's when the ALDS started after Wild Card Weekend had wrapped up last weekend. A few of the series that had taken place for Wild Card Weekend had already wrapped up by the time we spoke last weekend, but some others hadn't. The Mets ended up getting eliminated in shocking fashion against the Padres. As we had already spoken about, the Guardians took care of the Rays, the Phillies defeated the Cardinals, and the Mariners defeated the Blue Jays. So the DS matchups were set after all those wild card series took place. It was Guardians and Yankees and the Mariners and the Astros on the American League side and the Phillies and Braves and the Padres and Dodgers on the National League side of things. And we've seen some surprises play out amongst the division series. Like I did say, all those surprises taking place in the National League said that before the American League won so far other than the Yankees is not much of a surprise with the Astros having swept the Mariners, but I'll say this much. I really give a lot of credit to the Mariners because even though it was a sweep, those games themselves, the Mariners did not make it easy on the Astros at all in any of the three games, in any of them. So they really took a good stab at the Astros. I have to give them that. 
but obviously the Astros are just too much. Too much. So it was still a sweep, ultimately. And in the National League was where the upsets, like I mentioned, took place. Massive upsets. The Padres moving on against the Dodgers. The Dodgers getting eliminated last night. That was huge. And the Phillies upsetting the Braves, winning in four. Padres and Phillies, NLCS. Just how we all drew it up, right? Unfrickin' real, man. So, just saying, if the Guardians happen to eliminate the Yankees tonight, only one of the division series will have gone the way everybody expected, and that would be the Astros defeating the Mariners. Every other series, all of the other three, will have been upsets. I'm not saying that is what's going to happen tonight. I'm just saying if that does happen, then only one out of the four series will have gone the way that the vast majority of people had originally predicted. That's crazy. So massive upsets going on. I hope the Yankees can prevent another upset from taking place, obviously. But we go back to Tuesday after the wild card weekend was wrapped up. And the first game with the Yankees and the Guardians went very well for the Yankees. The Yankees did end up winning the game 4-1. to They got their runs in the bottom of the third on a solo shot by Harrison Bader. Bottom of the fifth, a sacrifice fly by Trevino. And the bottom of the sixth on a two-run homer, adding insurance runs by Anthony Rizzo. That would be the Yankees' four runs. The only run that starting pitcher Garrett Cole, who got the ball in game one, like I said he would, like most people with common sense said he would, whether you agreed or not, you just had to know that was the way the Yankees were going to roll. He did get the ball, and the only run he did give up was a solo shot in the top of the third to Stephen Kwan, and the top of the third, I must say, that was the inning where it really looked like Garrett Cole was going to have that routine meltdown inning where he just has all the damage done to him and extreme damage at that in one inning, but the Guardians couldn't capitalize. They only scored that one run, and you could almost feel like once that inning was wrapped up and only one run scored on that solo shot, that the Guardians had probably missed their chance to pounce on Cole, and they did. Because other than that, Cole did a fine job. Six and a third innings, four hits, only one run and eight strikeouts, and the only run he allowed was on the solo shot by Quan. So, Cole did a nice job for the most part. Of course, there was a Yankee error (laughs) in the first inning. You just know it. And you know who it was, especially because Cole was pitching, and it seemed like this was a regular routine throughout the year, especially on Cole starts. But the error came from Isaiah Kiner-Falefa in the first inning when he blew a ground ball hit by Rosario, and he just botched the play. (laughs) Routine mistakes, errors happening by him on Cole starts unusually enough, and it was funny. Me and a bunch of other Twitter people on Twitter We were predicting how Cole was going to do in game one. And I can't remember which specific Twitter account it was. If they happen to be listening, I'm sorry I don't remember you specifically, but you know who you are. And the tweet got a lot of attention because everybody knew who he was talking about, including myself. He said Cole's going to do this, pitch this many innings and give up that many hits, that many runs, strike out this many people. And there was going to be this many errors on the day. And I believe there was one error. And he said it was just one mistake made on the field throughout the Cole start. And I immediately replied. I said, IKF error. A routine IKF error on a Cole start. And he said, that's the one. (laughs) So we all anticipated it. And then it happened in the first freaking inning. (laughs) You can't make it up. You just can't. Listen, 
some of you may say, I, I have a vendetta for IKF, fine, maybe I do. I, you guys know I'm on record, literally on Twitter, I will find the tweet for not liking this trade since day one with IKF and Donaldson. So, you know what? I gave him all season, and even into the playoffs so far, to shut me the hell up about it. And you know, you know what? Basically nothing has been done so far to still shut me up all these months later. So, you know what? I am not nearly right all the time. Nobody is. Everybody is wrong. Plenty. But when I'm right, I'm right. What are you going to do? I was right about this. I'm not one of those people, those hindsight people, who just criticize after the fact. I could do that, and a lot of other people do do that. You're allowed to criticize things that don't work out, of course. But, I mean, there are just certain things you're on from day one, and you end up still being right about months or even years later. That happens sometimes, and that's what happened with me with this IKF and Donaldson trade, going all the way back to the winter. I'm perfectly fine in admitting when I'm wrong about anything, and I do all the time. How many things have I admitted I'm wrong on this podcast about, or on Twitter, or any social media? I've done it plenty of times, so has so everybody else, unless they just have an ego like Brian Cashman when they can't do such a thing. But when I'm right, I'm also going to mention that. So it goes both ways. But regardless, I don't want to make it too much about IKF for the first game because, you know, other than that, it was fine. And the Yankees did win the game. So Tuesday, really good start. Yankees jump out to a one nothing lead. Wednesday, for some reason, like I said, again, the off day. And people gave all kinds of excuses to why that was an off day. Oh, if the Yankees and Mariners and, and Astros played, if the Yankees and Guardians and the Astros and Mariners played on Wednesday, then there wouldn't have been any games on Thursday because the National League wasn't scheduled to play. Well, whose fault is that? Maybe Major League Baseball could do a better job with scheduling then. What do you want me to tell you? Thursday could have just been a travel day for everybody. You wanted to start all four of them on Tuesday instead of splitting them up? Then that's what you get. You could have started one side on Tuesday and the other side on Wednesday and then just done that. Then there wouldn't have been a day off. But no, you can't, no, you can't say nothing. So Thursday ended up being the rain out day. That was the day that was originally supposed to be game two, but it didn't. Friday, and I had a meltdown over this because I knew I wasn't going to be able to watch any of it. It was a day game. The New York Yankees playoff game. During the day, I was at work, didn't watch a minute of it, listened to a decent chunk of it, or at least what I could on the radio, on my phone, through the MLB app, but I couldn't watch it because I was at work and a lot of other people experienced the same thing. And there was even someone in my office who had tickets to the Thursday game. And when it was rescheduled for Friday, they couldn't go to the Friday game because they were in the office with me working like a lot of other people in my office. So... Those people, I especially felt awful for. That sucks. And so did the game. <laughs> Nestor Cortez started the game, and he, he, did, he did pretty good. It wasn't one of his better starts, but it, obvi- it was not a train wreck of a start either, obviously. Five innings, did give up six hits. Only two runs, though. Three walks, three strikeouts. Not the best of starts, not the worst of starts. He kept the Yankees in the game. The problem with this game was the offense. The only thing they did all day long was in the bottom of the first, my boy Giancarlo took a ball into the right field seats to give the Yankees an early 2-0 lead. Then they crept back in against Nestor in the later innings, top of the fourth, Andres Jimenez. Got an RBI single, 
making a 2-1 game, and then Ahmed Rosario, of all people, who just doesn't hit home runs. Well, he had a freaking bomb to right center field, the edge of the Yankee bullpen in the top of the fifth. Solo shot to tie the game at two, and then nothing happened after that. Nothing happened. We saw the Yankee offense return to the form of much of what we saw in the second half, just either not getting anything going or getting something going and just blowing the opportunity. That's a large part of what happened in this game. And we've seen a large part of all the Yankee faults in this series. The offense in Game 2, the bullpen in Game 3, along with some decision-making and just exposing some poor roster construction. We've seen a little bit of it all, of all the Yankee flaws coming out in their losses here. And it sucks. It really, really sucks. And in this game, also two more errors... Because, you know, that's just the way it goes, too. When you have crappy defense, that's going to rear its ugly head, too, at some point. One of the errors was, unfortunately, by Anthony Rizzo in the top of the ninth on a play that definitely should have been made. Fortunately, it didn't result in any run coming home. And then in the 10th inning, well, this was the inning that it all came crashing down. Nothing had been done, like I said, after Rosario's home run in the 5th inning off Nestor. The bullpen had come in, and otherwise, they did a really nice job. Trevino came in, pitched two-thirds of an inning, got two outs, and didn't allow anything. Loisega pitched an inning and two-thirds scoreless. Wandy Peralta, an inning scoreless. Clay Holmes got two outs. And then in the 10th inning, that's when it all came crashing. Jameson Tyone on the mound, and the second he took the mound, I did not have a good feeling about things. I don't know. Just... Having the starter on the mound right there, I didn't like it. I really did not like it. Probably would have rather go with a Clark Schmidt, who ended up coming in right after to stop the bleeding anyway. And I did say that right in the office when I was watching the game. Two fellow co-workers of mine, I was even saying, I just, I don't like this here. I would rather Schmidt or maybe Herman, someone else come in, who was more deemed for long relief, even though Tyone kind of was too, unless they had to use him for the rotation if the rotation was pushed to the brink. But I just didn't like Tyone in that spot. I can't really explain it. I literally had people around me for proof. But it, it went badly. Like, I just felt like it would. I don't know. I just had a feeling. And the inning started off right away with a pop-up to left field. And Oswaldo Cabrera did everything he could to try to get to it, but he couldn't. And... When he didn't make it, Donaldson picked the ball up, and this was your second error, like I said before. Even though Donaldson has had his good plays down at third at some points throughout the season, I'll give him that, because, again, I'm not in denial of reality over here, no matter how, how I feel about a guy personally or how bad he's done otherwise, objectively. But he proceeds to pick the ball up after this play and throws it to nobody. Throws it to second base, throws completely wild. And that allows Jose Ramirez, who already had the hit dunk in, to advance to third base. Right after that, Oscar Gonzalez, who has proven to be a nightmare, a big thing for the Guardians this postseason. He walked off the Rays in the 15th inning. He had this hit in the 10th inning the other day and last night to end the game. So he gave the Guardians the lead here, gave him a 3-2 to lead. And then after that, Josh Naylor, 
hit an RBI double to make it 4-2, to two, and especially because of how flat the Yankee offense had been just with no pulse or just blowing opportunities prior to this, you just felt like the game was over. And the stadium just went drop-dead silent. Bottom of the 10th, Tim LoCastro had been put in for Stanton, and he just kept him in here, let him still bat, and he flew out, Donaldson walked, but Cabrera struck out, and IKF grounded out. And that was the end of the game. So, really, really bad game on Friday. Offense was dead. The 10th inning was a disaster. I mean, that play on the Ramirez ball that dropped in, I didn't even know what the hell I just saw. The ball dropping and nobody getting to it. Donaldson picking it up and throwing it to no one. And the ball almost even getting away when they threw it down to third to try to prevent Ramirez from advancing to third, but didn't. Baffling. The decision to use Tyone to start the 10th, which I didn't like from the start. I don't know. Just bad. It was mainly on the offense, though, for sure. You can't score two runs in the first inning and just go dead silent after that. Dead silent for nine straight innings. I don't even think they hit the ball out of the infield for the better part of, like, six innings. You can't do that. You cannot do that in the playoffs. We've seen it happen far too much throughout the year, and it happened again in Game 2, and it resulted in them losing a humiliating game at home. That's how it goes. And in the playoffs... When you're facing the best of talents that baseball has to offer. Bad faults like that that you've seen throughout a chunk of the season are eventually going to rear their ugly head again. It's inevitable when you're facing the best of talent that baseball has to offer in the postseason. It's going to happen at one point or another. And we've, like I said before, we've seen a little bit of everything. Certain aspects of the team that we didn't like what we saw throughout the season. They're rearing their ugly heads at all different sorts of points throughout this very series, just in this little series alone, where there have only been three games played, we've seen a little bit of everything when it comes to the flaws of the New York Yankees. So on the very next day, yesterday they played, and this was the travesty. Starting this game was was Luis Severino, and like I said before, I do have to give massive props to Severino. I'll start out with a positive. This guy, (laughs) first two innings, Listen to this. Lead-off double, Stephen Kwan, did strike out Rosario. Base hit by Ramirez. That could have been much worse than a hanging slider. I mean, he's so lucky. Josh Naylor on a ground ball. Two shortstop. It was a hard ground ball, but one that a shortstop should be able to get in front of and stop. But of course, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa isn't capable of doing that because he is not a shortstop. Ball gets into left center field. Run comes home to score. Stephen Kwan, who started the inning with a double. Cleveland takes a 1-0 lead. Fortunately, though, Luis Severino limited the damage to just one run in that inning, but his pitch count was through the roof, which wasn't good. Second inning started off again with a double, just like the first inning by Arias. Then Austin Hedges, who cannot hit a beach ball, hits a bloop single in the center field. Fortunately, Miles Straw after that popped out, but then Stephen Kwan, who had started off 
the Guardians' offensive day with a double, hits a single here to drive home Arias with the second run. Again, after that, fortunately though, despite his pitch count being through the roof, Severino limits the damage at two. And the Yankee offense repaid him for that a bit in the top of the third, when Aaron Judge, like I had mentioned before, going off on the fans who really turned on him a bit too harshly for my liking to say the least, finally broke through and hit a two-run 449-foot, I think, atom bomb to almost straightaway center field to tie the game at two, shutting up everybody who even had thoughts of booing the man. And I'm not even going to say anything more about it at this point because I said everything I had to say on that subject earlier on in the introduction. I got that all out already. I'm over it. (laughs) So... So they they gave him a little bit of appreciation for limiting the damage, did the Yankees, for Luis Severino. And the other person who was on base was the only other one who decided to show up offensively at that point in the game, Oswaldo Cabrera, who earlier in the inning had gotten on with a double, and then Judge drove him in on the game-tying two-run nuke. After that... Like I'd mentioned earlier on in the show, the all-time turnaround, Luis Severino settled down and had one of the better comebacks and turnarounds I've ever seen from a starting pitcher in a single game, in a game of this importance in the playoffs. 1-2-3 inning in the third. 1-2-3 inning in the fourth. In the fifth inning. 1-2-3 inning. And if you go back to the second inning, when he retired Rosario, and then retired... Jose Ramirez, that's two batters in a row. Third inning was 1-2-3. Fourth inning was 1-2-3. Fifth inning was 1-2-3. That's 11 batters in a row retired. Far more economical with his pitches too, which despite his early through-the-roof pitch count, allowed him to even make it almost through the sixth inning. Truly a remarkable comeback, guys. It can't be overstated. It really can't. So Luis Severino, massive props to you. You had me nervous as hell in the beginning part of the game that the Yankees were going to have another bullpen burnout day and you were going to be done after barely two innings despite having held them down at just two runs but still just hits left and right. The Guardians are having a hitting parade. It was like a conga line around the bases. But have I ever seen a comeback quite like this? Not Not one that immediately pops up to mind. I could just be forgetting at the moment right now because my brain's going a million miles an hour as I broadcast, of course. But truly a remarkable bounce back by Luis Severino. So massive props to him. His final line and anything bad really just came from the first two innings. (laughs) Five and two-thirds, eight hits, three runs, and six strikeouts. Didn't walk anybody, so that's a big positive. But he really just found his groove, man. Great to see. So... The game was tied at two at that point from where we left off. Now we're in the top of the fifth. And this was towards the end of Severino's start. But the Yankees did put Severino out in front and themselves out in front, of course. Because on top of hitting a double prior that would later lead to Aaron Judge's game-tying two-run shot, Oswaldo Cabrera again decided to make his bat heard. A two-run bat-flipping bomb to right center field to put the Yankees ahead 4-2 to with his first playoff home run ever. You could just tell how amped this kid is to be in this environment in the first place, but especially just how joyful he was 
as this home run was being hit, and especially afterwards, this kid's having the time of his life. <laughs> How could you not enjoy watching this? It's incredible what we've seen out of Oswaldo Cabrera. What a young stud, and what a star he's going to turn out to be, in my opinion, at least. Then at the bottom of the sixth, this was when the heart attack started. And the shame of it is, is that once again, if you look at the scoreboard, the Yankees under errors have zero. But you could very well put multiple errors in that column, and they would all be from IKF. Between the first inning one, where he didn't get in front of the ball and blocked and just allowed the ball to get right under his glove, and this inning as well, in the sixth inning, in an inning where I really wish Severino was able to get through, and he would have had he had a competent shortstop behind him. But... It was a pretty hard-hit ground ball by Andres Jimenez, and IKF got to the ball, he fielded it, but then, because he's just not cut out to play shortstop, as I've been saying for months, he double-clutches the ball, and then still proceeds to make a very bad throw to Anthony Rizzo, which prolongs the inning, allowed Arias to reach base on the hit after that. Which had Luis Severino leave the game instead of having completed the inning and just having the game go on from there, still with a 4-2 to lead. And then when Trevino came in after that, he allowed Will Brennan to get an RBI single to make it 4-3, to and fortunately, Miles Straw hit a line drive, and fortunately, it was right at Caleber Torres and not up the middle to put the Guardians in the lead at the time. So IKF, again, nearly just being the death of the New York Yankees. A real problem. And whether it be this postseason or during the regular season, he should have a lot more errors on his scorecard than he actually does because the the official scorers, and I know some people inevitably will probably disagree with me on this for some reason, but the proof is there. I mean, it's pretty incredible. But IKF should have a lot more errors on his scorecard than there actually is because the official scorers have been very kind to him. They really have been. So that was another issue that him not fielding properly led to. So 4-3 to three at that point. Fortunately, the Yankees got the run right back in the top of the seven thanks to Darth Bader, my freaking boy. How great has he been since coming to the Yankees, man? And I know I questioned that trade at the beginning because it was a bit of a head-scratcher, guys. You're getting rid of Jordan Montgomery when you need pitching, and you're bringing in an injured player. I don't know. It just It was tough to figure out. But you know what? I didn't really completely crap on that move. I I did at one point say we'll have to see what happens when Bader comes back as to really get a true gauge as to how good or bad a trade this is. But I did scratch my head about it. So I will admit to being wrong about the head-scratching part, I guess. (laughs) Like I said, I admit when I'm wrong. But I'm glad to be wrong about this because Bader has been a great pickup. And he gave the Yankees this run right back. So the Yankees were up 5-3, to three, and it stayed that way all the way to the ninth inning. And Wandy Peralta had been in at this point. He had been pitching beautifully since the end of the seventh inning. They only had Loizaga get two outs in that seventh. And they only took him out after an infield hit, which I kind of wish they left him in longer because Luizaga is honestly my most trusted reliever right now, if you ask me. In my opinion, the bullpen should be right now Wandy Peralta set up and Luizaga the closer. That's my opinion. 
I don't know why nobody else seems to see that, but whatever. So Loisigo only gets two outs. Peralta picks up the slack after him, finishes off the seventh inning, pitches the entire eighth inning, gets the first out in the ninth inning, is then a victim of two bloop hits. First one, Oswaldo couldn't get to, picked up by IKF. And then for some reason, Miles Straw, who had hit the first hit, the blue pit, he was the one who hit it. The ball landed in left field right in front of Oswaldo Cabrera, couldn't quite get to it. Again, feel bad for the kid, he's playing out of position. IKF gets to the ball, and Miles Straw took a big turnaround first and stopped, but then... Because IKF thought it okay to lob the ball back in and take his sweet-ass time to get the ball back into the infield, Miles Straw advances to second base. So another mistake by our not shortstop. Do you need any more? (laughs) I mean, really, what is going on here? The big problem that I mentioned with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa not being able to play shortstop Throughout the entire year, my God, has it been able to rear its ugly head more than it has in this series, people? Good Lord. I mean, come on. So then another bloop single after that led to Wandy Peralta being taken out. And they brought Clark Schmidt in. And I felt bad for Clark because this is a situation that he should not be put into. He should not be closing out games. This is a starter slash long reliever. I had a bad feeling about it from the start. Again, I just didn't like it. He allowed more people to reach base. Allowed the fourth run for the Guardians to come through. And of course, ultimately the winning ones as well. But with the bases loaded and one out, and the Yankees still up 5-4. to four. He managed to strike out Josh Naylor, and he had Oscar Gonzalez down to the last strike of the game. And in that bat where he didn't throw a single fastball, he leaves a breaking ball over the plate. Oscar Gonzalez reaches out for it and just smacks it right up the middle. Guardians win the freaking game. Where's Clay Holmes? I already told you about what the Yankees said about that. And it could be a situation of Clay Holmes... Wanting to pitch through something that the Yankees didn't feel confident about. Whatever. I just don't like, personally, the conflicting pieces of information. How nobody seems to be on the same page in this damn organization. More injury fiascos. More antics. One side says, has some soreness. Only in an emergency, which I guess an emergency is classified as something else. Other than the game being on the line in the ninth inning of a playoff game. And the other one. The party at hand, being Clay Holmes, saying that he feels fine and he even anticipated to pitch. It's just irritating hearing the two completely different pieces of takes and information. That's the part that bothers me. Why aren't we on the same page? I understand sometimes a coaching staff and a player might feel differently as to what the health is for a player. And sometimes you got to save a player from themselves. Because sometimes they'll think they're okay, they go out on the mound, and they end up regretting it because they're, they weren't as okay as they thought they were. I get it. And nobody's saying that Clay Holmes is 100% trustworthy. He definitely is not after the second half that he had. After being a top reliever in the sport in the first half. But I just don't like when there are conflicting pieces of information like this, man. It pisses me off. It really pisses me off. And it doesn't come off good to the public. It just doesn't. It's not a good look. 
So you had the bone-crushing defeat in itself of last night as a result of not having a closer, not having a setup man. You had to use Clark Schmidt. And then you got to deal with the post-game antics on top of that, as if the loss wasn't enough to deal with. And now, like I said before, the Yankees find themselves down two games to one. And if they want to move on, they're going to have to win two in a row. Tonight's game in Cleveland, and then game five, if necessary, would be in the Bronx tomorrow night on Monday the 17th. So that's the deal, people. That's where we're at. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. That's the recap. That, those are the big moments of what happened in the three games. And this is where the Yankees find themselves as of October 16th, waiting on game four of the ALDS. What can I tell you? Ooh, the Yankees just dropped the lineup. All right, let me see. I said before, now I haven't looked at it yet. Hold on. I'm going to say before I even look at this lineup that I expected them to just trot IKF back out there tonight. I I just really do. Uh, Because I and many others, and we have plenty of examples to choose from when it comes to this, don't think the Yankees are often capable of admitting when they're wrong. And therefore make a change that could really help the team. So I think that IKF is going to be at shortstop and in this lineup tonight. So let's see. Let's see what they decide. Glaber's leading off at second again. All right. Judge batting second and right. Okay, I like that. Rizzo batting third at first base. Stanton fourth DH. Donaldson batting fifth at third. Oswaldo Cabrera batting sixth at shortstop. IKF isn't in the lineup. The Yankees proved me wrong. Holy crap, they made a change. (gasps) We got to get another Frank Barone. Holy crap in here. That is way deserving of it. Holy crap. Yeah, there you go. Oh my God. They left IKF out of the lineup. Wow. I am very impressed right now. Very, very impressed. Harrison Bader batting 7th and center. Trevino batting 8th at catcher. Oh, boy. I knew there had to be one aspect of the lineup that I hated. I knew it. I knew it. Batting ninth in left field is Aaron freaking Hicks. This guy actually managed to make his way into a postseason starting lineup. I would rather... John Carlos Stanton on one leg than Aaron Hicks out there at full capacity. I can understand maybe not wanting to put Carpenter out there. He just got back from an awful foot injury or whatever reason they want to use. But I literally would rather Stanton out there and then you DH Carpenter. I cannot believe Aaron Hicks is going to be in, well, not going to be, he is in the starting lineup of a playoff game. There just has to be one thing that I hate. One thing. There always has to be. (laughs) Listen, I don't want to focus on the negative. I'm glad IKF is not in the game. So there are aspects of this lineup that I do like. Other than that, a chunk of the rest of the lineup is almost identical to what it was last night. Also, Trevino's back instead of Higgy. That's another change. But, God, I can't believe Hicks is getting... A starting opportunity in the playoffs. 
There is no other team on the face of the earth, the face of the earth, that would have Aaron Hicks even get one look in the playoffs. Other than maybe a defensive substitution, which even I wouldn't, I wouldn't even do that. Wow. Incredible. But that's the starting lineup, one through nine. I mean, you already know it by the time you're listening to this. It's probably just going to be out in a couple hours because I want to put this out before the game tonight. Wow. So Aaron Hicks is batting ninth. Hmm. I am very happy about the IKF thing, though. Just does nothing with the bat. And we've seen the routine defensive mistakes all year. I mean, what else is there to say? I think I had a reason and a right to feel like the Yankees were just going to include him again because they've taken every opportunity they can to constantly advocate for the guy, even when there's really no rational advocating to be made. But man, they shut me up today, man. I am shocked that they actually decided to sit him and put Oswaldo Cabrera back in a position he's actually familiar with. Wow. Tip to the cap for the Yankees for that. I would really be thrilled if Stanton was out and left and dh and Carpenter instead of having Hicks in there, but whatever. I got to pick my battles, I guess. But much respect for actually shutting me up and making a change at shortstop, guys. Much respect for that. I will give you that. All right, we're like an hour and 10 minutes in here almost, so let's wrap up this episode with the social media segment for today. Like I said before, it's basically event session. Called it the Apping Yankees Vent Session. So just let loose and let me know what you think. And there was a lot. <laughs> I'm obviously not going to get to nearly everybody, but I'll try to get to as many as I can while also trying not to keep you here for an entire hour and a half like I have at times. I already basically vented all I could. I think I've said everything I had to say at one point or another throughout this episode. So I'm just going to let you guys do the talking from now on and I'll follow up on them, I guess. Alrighty, let's start with at M Marcinex, and he says, it's amazing they went into the postseason with this thin bullpen and no real number one closer. It ends tonight, and it's on Cashman. I see things going to end tonight. Huh? We'll see. But yeah, like I said, no closer. I, I, I gave out all the flaws before. You're Brian Cashman. And, uh, you know what? I'll go after Hal Steinbrenner first. I'll say this about Hal. He does supply a pretty big payroll, yes. But a lot of the times, he'll also just open up the wallet once every few years just to shut people up. Like, you know, when people start to complain, oh my God, the Yankees aren't spending enough. And, you know, like me and others were critiquing them for not taking advantage of the elite shortstop class this past winter. And saying, oh, Hal Steinbrenner is not opening up the wallet enough. He settled for IKF, blah, blah, blah. People say, oh, he just opened up the wallet a few years ago with Garrett Cole. So he did. He pays. That's what Hal wants <laughs> to pe- for people to be able to use that. That's why he does it every once in a while, just so he won't be accused of that. But then at the same time, he also still does provide Cashman with a bit of breathing room. He does. The payroll is still well into the 200 millions. And at that point, when you're in the playoffs, without a closer, 
without a setup man, with IKF at short, with Donaldson at third, having people constantly playing out of position. And yes, injuries play a part in it, and that is beyond any organization's control, but at some point, it gets stale. You have to look at the front office and certain decisions that were made along the way. So my point is, there's plenty of blame to go around, and a big chunk of it, yes, should go to Brian Cashman. You are in the playoffs without a closer, or even a setup man, my guy. I mean, what are we doing? So I can't blame you for feeling that way. At Mike L Sports says, they're the same thoughts for 15 years. Just do one show and replay it every year. <laughs> well, I have felt like since I started yapping Yankees in early, early 2019, obviously every year then has been just soul-sucking losses and coming up short every year. And I, I do feel like it ends the same every year with me doing the same rant and just just on my deathbed about it. I mean, like, not to be dramatic about it, but yeah, I'm just trying to portray to you how much the last four years, well, five years even, go back to 2017 too, how many years have been taken off my life. <laughs> and I just feel like every time it happens, it's the same things being said every every off season or heading into the off season after the bone-crushing defeat. So yeah, you got a point there. Just put it on repeat. I even said it last week. I just want things to end differently this year so I don't have to end another season with another just beyond pessimistic, negative episode here. You think I like putting out negative content on Yapping Yankees? You think I like talking negatively to the public on social media about my team? I freaking hate it. But when it's warranted, it's warranted. And if you do content on it, you have to hit on it. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, I'm so upset after last night's loss. I'm hoping Cole really steps up tonight. Can they win two in a row? Yes, they can. If the bats show up and if they don't make dumb errors and if the pitching is good. It's a lot of ifs. Yeah, it is a lot of ifs, Rebecca. But you know what? Cole could step up. Cole pitched a good game in game one. Thankfully, the Guardians failed to get to him any more than they did in the third inning and he was able to fix himself up and pitch a pretty respectable game. Really good. He was the ace that they signed him to be that night. And Cole has made far more good postseason starts for the Yankees than bad. The really bad one, the stinker, was the wildcard game last year that everybody loves to call upon again. But otherwise, he's been pretty good for them in the playoffs, and some people forget about that. So I think it's very possible he steps up tonight. But you know what? No matter what he does, if the bats don't hit, not going to matter. And if the bullpen after that doesn't hold up, it's also not going to matter. So like you said, yeah, it's a lot of ifs. They could win two in a row. And like I said, I will go on to say this prediction again. If the Yankees win game four tonight in Cleveland and they have to come home for game five in New York, they will win game five. Obviously not a 100% guarantee. I don't have a crystal ball in front of me. But I just can't, I cannot see the Yankees losing a game five here in New York. I can't see it happening. I just cannot. Would it be interesting to see what they do pitching-wise since they can't pitch Nestor again for Game 5? Yeah, it would be. You might see a Domingo Herman start the game, for instance, maybe. They could just give the ball to Tyone, too. Or maybe, maybe, they could also, they mentioned this idea as well, maybe using Nestor to pitch the first inning or two. 
just as like a, an opener sort of a thing and then maybe have Herman piggyback off or maybe, maybe the other way around. I don't know. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do. It's going to be largely bullpen work for both the Yankees and the Guardians thanks to the playing the four days in a row. So it should be interesting. But either way, yeah, I, if it comes back to New York, I think the Yankees will win. Tonight's really the big night. That's That's really it. At Scott JS says, once again, Boone demonstrated how we are outclassed in the manager's office every playoffs. But yeah, a lot of people didn't like the decision making last night. I was okay with it other than burning through Loisga earlier and only letting him get two outs. I understand it's for matchups and whatnot, but I think Loisga could get anybody out. It's not spoken about enough how much he has returned to his elite 2021 form. So I think he could get just about anybody out. No matter how good they are against a right-handed pitcher or whatnot, I don't care. And then also Wandy, Wandy being put in before a Clark Schmidt or anything. I actually, after Severino came out of the game, I had it in my head that maybe they should put in a Herman or a Schmidt to get to the eighth inning or so. And then you bring in Bralta and Luizaga. That's what I wanted to do because as I've said for a while now, Luizaga is my most trusted reliever. I have him as my closer personally. And Peralta's looked really good as well. So I put him as set as setup man. That's what I would do. And I said this even before the meltdown last night in the ninth inning. So you can't accuse me of pulling any hindsight crap. If you've been following me for a while now, you'd know I don't pull that nonsense. But no, they had to do it the other way around. And it collapsed. So, if you're in agreement with me, then yeah, you didn't agree with what happened last night as far as moves being made. But, um, yeah, I mainly just didn't like the fiasco in the postgame. How there's different, conflicting information. I don't like that. At Marianne337, 93704 says, Agree with the comments, but some blame should go to Higgy. Why call same pitch four games in a row, and why didn't Schmidt shake him off? Well, yeah, like I said before, in that last at-bat, only breaking balls. That's it. Um, In that spot, to be honest with you, the calls are probably coming from the dugout at that point. Because in big spots, usually the calls come from the dugout. Not always, but sometimes they do. So I'm not sure if blame could go to Higgy there. I'm not sure because I don't know what was going on at that point. None of us do unless you were in the Yankee dugout or unless you're Higashioka himself or Schmidt himself. But yeah, I wasn't too big a fan of the pitch selection either. I'll admit that right now. Spencer at Musician DMD says, Vent? No. I've reconciled the Yankees pitching in its undermanned state cannot propel the Yankees to the next round against a fearless and inspired Guardians team headed by a manager who helmed a team that executed the greatest comeback in MLB playoff history. Uh, Referencing, yes, Terry Francona, the Red Sox. Yes, I love Terry Francona as much as the next guy. Absolutely. Love the guy. I've always respected him. If he were ever the Yankee manager, you would have a very tough time finding happier fans than me. And some people may take issue with that because of his Red Sox history. Problem is, I don't care. The guy's a brilliant mind. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize that. But yeah. It's tough. I mean, they they don't score a lot, the Guardians. Their main thing, like I said last week when talking about them in an ALDS preview, is their pitching. They're known for good pitching. And they got to Tristan McKenzie last night. They scored a run off the Guardians' bullpen. And the Guardians have some really good arms out there. They have Karinchek. They have Klasse. The list goes on. They have good arms. They have good pitching. But the Yankee pitching just failed. 
They failed. In the ninth inning, disaster. So I understand that, though. Not surprised because the Guardians team is scrappy, the youngest team in, in the postseason. And led by someone like Terry Francona, I can respect why someone would not be surprised by that. At Tommy V. Art says, let Rizzo manage. He's undefeated. <laughs> Rizzo's the man, dude. <laughs> but he's got to be in the in the lineup, too. He's got to be on the field. <laughs> At Baseball Tzar says, they lack the killer instinct. Certainly did in the ninth inning, yeah. They showed, they showed great resilience in the game before that, like when the offense was coming back, and they completed the comeback, and then right when the Guardians scored their third run, Bader answered back with a home run of his own to get that run right back, so they showed good resiliency and killer instinct. It's just in the ninth inning, it fell apart. It fell apart. And if they only just managed to grab some insurance runs after only scoring one run in the first inning of Game 2, that could have gone differently too. The Yankees could have very well, very well, have swept this series. Yet they find themselves down 2-1. to It's infuriating. It really is. At Yankees, GF says, we can't have any more IKF errors. We need him to be, quote-unquote, the best shortstop in the league. We need Boone, Blake, and the bullpen to start making smart decisions today. And we've just got to turn the energy up to 11 and come at them wanting to win. Yeah, it's still surreal to me that he was referred to as the best shortstop in the league. With what freaking metric? My guess is DRS, maybe. Probably looking at that, but if you look at a lot of other stats, it just ain't true, dude. It's just not true. <sighs> and when evaluating any player, it's far more than just evaluating a stat or two. You got to look at the whole picture, dude. You have to, and just make an assessment after that. In this day of numbers and stats and analytics and metrics, there's a big picture to look at. You got to put a lot of things together before making an evaluation that may make you sound pretty foolish. And yeah, the decisions, yeah, another critique. Yeah, it's just... <sighs> At Laura underscore Icemont says, IKF shouldn't be playing shortstop anymore. He's bobbled multiple routine plays that made our starters get extra outs and thin out our bullpen even more. You are correct. You're correct. And I'm still shocked that he is not in the lineup today. Big props to the Yankees for that once again. I cannot believe that. Amazing. But yeah, it's just, it's the routine plays really with him. We've said it all year long. From the moment it started happening months ago, I said, isn't it weird? Doesn't anybody notice that the plays that IKF botches are the routine ones? The guy's a third baseman, people. He's a third baseman. It's where he is factually better at playing statistically. It's where he won a gold glove. He's a third baseman. Another example of somebody playing out of position because of the logjam that was created by someone who doesn't know how to put a roster together in Brian Cashman. At Savage Yanks says, this series should have been a sweep. We've catered to IKF as if he is Jeter. He is not a starting shortstop on a championship team. Yankees hubris is going to cost us another run in the playoffs. Yeah, like I said, they've advocated for him at every turn possible. And that's why I was convinced that they were just going to march him right back out there again today. And to my surprise, pleasant surprise, that is not the case. 
But I, I agree with you. On any championship team, IKF is just not the shortstop. Sorry. Just not true. Let's see. Let's see. What else? At Lisa Sora says, Not a Yankees fan, but I want that Astros and Yankees ALCS bad. There's just nothing like going toe-to-toe in a series with your friends on this app and nothing like an LCS made up of baseball giants. Yes, and Lisa, for those of you who don't know, is an Astros fan. I've interacted with her on Twitter before. That is the app to which she is referring. And she's right. As terrified as I am personally of history repeating itself, I agree. I mean, whether you like it or not, whether you hate the Astros or not, and I respectfully hate them, <laughs> but because I have met some Astros fans that I get along with, very good people. So I respectfully hate your team, as I'm sure you respectfully hate mine. It's fine. It's all good. Part of sports. But... As terrified as I am of history repeating itself, and I do feel it would, unfortunately, a part of me is still ever so slightly hopeful that if the series was to happen that it wouldn't repeat itself, but it's hard to not be terrified that it would after all the pain we've been through in head-to-head matchups against you guys. The head-to-heads have been a nightmare. Even the regular season this past year has been a nightmare. But you can't deny the energy in both ballparks for those series, the energy and just everything. The whole mindset, the mantra of the series is just wild whenever it happens between the two teams. It's craziness. But the Yankees have got to win two in a row to make it happen. They have to. At D Vellante 2267 says, don't know, but already have a knot in my stomach. That much I can tell you. Agreed. <laughs> At CJ Leon Jr. says, Boone was handed a loaded roster. They then added Cole and Stanton and never got as far. This has always been why Boone needs to go. He was handed a Ferrari and he crashed. Cashman is too thick-headed to change. He needs to go too. Overpay Judge as well. Well, I hope they pay Judge. If they do, I'm going to be more disappointed than I've ever been as a sports fan. Not, Not only just a Yankees fan or a baseball fan. But I just can't. I can't only be mad at Boone. I can't. He's told what to do, and he's handed the roster. And yeah, certain decisions he makes make make me scratch my head, make everybody scratch their heads. Of course, that's where the blame does fall to him, but I have a tough time blaming him for everything. I just do, because it's not true. The issues run so much deeper than him. It runs from a guy who is not willing to spend at times in areas completely necessary to do so, in Hal Steinbrenner. Sometimes he does, and he uses that as evidence as to why he quote-unquote does spend. But then even after he does spend and he gives Brian Cashman the room with a lot of money, a high payroll to do what he's got to do, the Yankees still find themselves flawed year in and year out. It's the same antics every year. And that's the front office, people. That's not Aaron Boone. He's not in control of any of that. He's given the team and told, do what you can with it to get us to win a championship. I understand not agreeing with Boone's certain decisions here and there and being upset with them occasionally, but blaming him for everything is not only just downright foolish, but it's false. I'm sorry, it's false. At WX Manco says, What 
are Hicks and Tilo doing on this roster? <laughs> if you're not using them as a defensive substitution in the ninth, for a rookie that has like 10 Major League Baseball games in left field, why are you using Trevino and Johnny for combined three outs when you need length in a compromised bullpen? Well, yeah, like I said, I would have started it off personally with bringing Schmidt in to start to bridge to the eighth, then Peralta and Loisega. That's what I would have done because for a while now, I have believed that Peralta and Loisega, if not for Efros, but Efros is hurt, are your most reliable relievers right now. So I agree with that decision. But when it comes to Hicks, yeah, Tim LaCastro is probably there for his speed just to swipe a bag or if an emergency defensive substitution, as you said, yes. Hicks, I have no idea. I cannot rationalize to you why Hicks is on this roster. I can't. I truly cannot. I think LeCastro is fine as a pinch runner. I think he's fine as a defensive substitution, fourth outfielder. It's fine. There was no need for Hicks to be on this roster. He has earned nothing. And I would have rathered Oswald Peraza be on the roster so he could be an infield backup. Even though Cabrera works as such, being able to play the outfield now, even though he's out of position when doing so. And he can play shortstop or second. But if you're so dead set on keeping Oswaldo in the outfield, which again, tonight he's at shortstop, which is cool, then you could have had Peraza up here on the roster and blast Aaron Hicks to the moon, quite frankly. But I don't know. I cannot rationalize Aaron Hicks being on the roster for you. I have no good answer for you at all. Uh, Let's see. It looks like I'm keeping you for an hour and a half anyway. <laughs> let's go to at Bobby underscore Sabo. And Bobby says, there's a dark cloud hanging over this club today. After Severino and Holmes post-game comments, Boone sounded legitimately shaken during his presser, and Cole is now expected to throw a near-perfect game. Let the fun begin. I don't know about a near-perfect game, but he's definitely expected to go out there and lay down the law. <laughs> That's for sure. And he better. It's what he was paid to do, man. This right here. Keep the Yankees alive. Be the ace. This is quite literally what he's paid to do. So, yeah. And, and just the conflicting reports last night. Yeah, it was just, I, just awful. I already ranted about it. I don't need to say anything more. At C-T-H-Y-K-Y-S-R. I don't even want to try to pronounce that. Kathy... Kaiser, I guess. <laughs> if you were to add other letters, that would make it an actual word. Anyway, they say, super nervous. Yankees should be able to beat Cleveland, even if they can't beat the Astros or the Dodgers. Not a good place to be in. We don't know if they if they would have been able to beat the Dodgers or not. But uh, we'll be able to find out if they could beat the Astros or not if they survive this round. But yeah, I, I think the general consensus is, of course, a great deal of nerves. Obviously, yes. Next, we've got at AJ Kinger, and he says, we need to hit. Every year, the Yankees lead the league, or close to it. Every year, we stop hitting during the playoffs. Starting pitching has been fine. The Yankees lack the ability to situationally hit. If they bomb out again, it's time for wholesale changes. You're not wrong, man. Every year, I mean, in the playoffs, at one point or another, we saw it in Game 2. Not so much in games one or three as much. But yeah, the Yankees just have trouble hitting. They really do when they face down good pitching. Starting pitching has been fine for the most part, yeah. 
Cole, after not allowing the Guardians to get to him in the third inning, pitched a fine game in Game 1. And Severino, although he started out disastrously, bounced back in a big way, kept the Yankees in the game, and left the game with a lead. He did his job. And Nestor Cortez, while it wasn't one of his better starts and he had to labor, wasn't a bad start by any means. He did okay. And Game 2, of course, as we know, is primarily on the offense. So, it's hard to argue with what you're saying. But yeah, when it comes to wholesale changes or any roster changes or anything that needs to be made for the Yankees, we'll talk about that if or when they do get eliminated. Because we'll have all the time in the world to talk about it then, of course. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, you know, before they're even factually out yet. But that is a conversation to be had all winter long if they do end up coming short, coming up short yet again this year. So rest assured, if that does happen, we will have all the time in the world to discuss that whole mess. Don't you worry about it. All right, let's finish off with my usual final two. Again, to all of those I didn't get to, just far too many of you. Of course, as you can imagine, on this subject, plenty of people had their thoughts to give. (laughs) I wish I could get to all of you, but if I did, we'd probably be here about three hours. So it's just not possible. But I thank you all so much, of course, for your interactions, as always. All your thoughts are appreciated, and they're seen whether or not they're read on the episode. Just I love you all so much. You You guys are the best. I say it all the time. I mean, what else can I say? You guys are the best. Great supporters I have out there. Let's finish off the final two because my raspy-ass voiced self needs to rest a little bit before the game starts tonight. I got to rest the vocal cords a little bit, people. Let's go to my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. She says, you heard it all last night when we were watching the game together. Yes, I did. Both for out of me and you, right? <laughs> but I will reiterate it for emphasis. Get IKF out of here. I cannot for the life of me understand how someone like IKF earned a spot on the New York Yankees in Major League Baseball as their shortstop. He should be embarrassed. To add to that, we're in desperate need of a closer. Why in the hell was a starting pitcher closing last night, and how can Boone seriously say that last night's travesty was not a situation that warranted bringing in Holmes in an emergency and make all these excuses when he was fine, according to Clay? All valid frustrations, my dear. All of them. I mean, IKF is just not a shortstop. That's a, that's a that's a miss by the Yankees more than anything. And some of us, including myself, hit that nail on the head from day one, back in March. So it's unfortunate. Nobody likes to be right about that sort of thing, but it's whatever. He just hasn't done a good job. Just has not. And all of his botches pretty much are on routine plays. Plays that should be made by someone who can actually play shortstop. The guy's a third baseman. I'd love to give him a legitimate shot at third base. And the little amount of time in the middle of the season there in the second half where he did get to play some third base, he looked really good. Because guess what? That's his primary freaking position. Wow, someone doing better at their primary position? Who the hell would have thought? So, I understand the IKF frustrations. Lord knows what I do of all people. And yeah, the conflicting reports... Like I said from last night, nobody likes to see that. Nobody. All right, let's finish off, last but certainly not least, as always, with my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, I'm speechless and gutted after last night. 
The last-minute, bone-crushing loss for every Yankee fan. Two things need to happen if this team is eliminated. Fire Cashman and replace him with Jeter, then fire Boone and replace him with Don Mattingly. After all these years, it's hard to believe anything other than that these higher-ups are not interested in winning at all. The end. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, listen, speechless and gutted. It's a good way to describe how we all felt after last night, for sure. Just completely baffled. Yeah, and like I've said, try not to get too far ahead of ourselves while they're still factually in, but of course, if they do get eliminated tonight, we will have plenty to talk about as to where this organization should go going forward. We have the entire winter to talk about that, and I'll save that for a later time. But all I'll say is that I have said in the past that for any true change to be made in this in this organization, any true change, for anyone who thinks that just firing Boone is going to do anything, I'm afraid you're sadly mistaken. I think the manager does play certain roles for other teams, but not as big with the Yankees. For any true change to be made, you're going to have to make changes in the front office, like my mom just hinted at with with. Brian Cashman or anybody else who's directly responsible for a lot of the decision-making in the construction of this team. And that's that. So that does wrap up the social media segment, and after hitting on just about everything that I think we could in this, I'll call it a therapy session of an episode of Yapping Yankees, (laughs) that is basically all for episode 159 of Yapping Yankees. Yankees today, guys. (laughs) Remember to follow me on all social medias if you do not already. My Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Mike Scuds97. Be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all of those. And if you want to listen to any of the old Yapping Yankees episodes, episodes 34 up to 159 today are all on YouTube. And all Yapping Yankees episodes going back to episode 1, including today's, are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again... Thank you, 3000, for listening to my raspy-ass voiced self-yap today, my friends. As always, (laughs) I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, October 23rd, when I come at you with episode 160 of Yapping Yankees. And by that point, we'll either be talking about the ALCS that they would be in by then, or it'll be a post-mortem episode and contemplating as to where this organization should go for next year and the years to follow all throughout the winter. And for the sake of our sanity, let us hope that it's the former. But until then, hang in there, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, try to stay sane. That advice also goes for myself. And Yankees, well, this is it tonight. Do or die. Put up or shut up. This is it. Not really much else to say. Win or don't and be done. We'll see just how badly these guys want this thing. Should be an interesting night. And if they survive the night, then it definitely should be an interesting next week, my friends. I'll talk to you next Sunday. Godspeed until then. 
But otherwise, just follow me on social media, because I'm sure you'll be able to get plenty of my thoughts on there until then. <laughs> uh, take care, guys. As much as you possibly can. Mm -hmm.